Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm glad you're here. We got a special guest. And here's the crazy thing. Well, first of all, let me just tell you guys <laughs> before I get into that. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the Fast Cash Survival Kit. And on that kit, we show you how Alex and I wholesale deals that have equity and deals that don't have equity. How we do our marketing, how we find, hire, and train virtual assistants to do almost all the work for us, all that cool stuff. It's not hype. It's real. And we show you how to do it in that free kit and it's absolutely free, right? So if you want to get it, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. And if you don't like it, give your money back. Not a problem. Also, if you like the show, please leave us a review in iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't like the show too, you can leave us a review there. Download, subscribe to all of our podcasts in iTunes. We'd really appreciate it as well. Okay, so uh, I got a special guest. Her name is Jamie. And uh, is it pronounced Wooly? Is that right, Jamie? Yes, Wooly. Wooly, Wooly. Okay, cool. Now, guys, I have never talked to Jamie before. <laughs> I have no idea who she is, or but I've heard from trusted friends that she is an awesome investor. And so I didn't even ask her any questions about what she does or you know anything before I just said, hey, I'm going to press the record button and let's talk. Okay, so I've been, uh, a lot of you guys know Tom Kroll. I've interviewed him in the past on this podcast. He's a good friend of mine. And so Tom and his buddies recommended that I reach out to Jamie and ask her to be on the show. And they told me that we would not be disappointed. So no pressure at all, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, not at all. <laughs> so good. I'm glad you're on the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing today? Really good. You know, the, uh, there was you, um, I, Tom and his uh, friend, Darren, recommend, they just called me and said, hey, you got to talk to these two people. And uh, the last guy we interviewed, we talked about the TTP method. I'm assuming you know who I'm talking about, right? Oh, I do. I do. Brent Daniels. He's a good friend of mine. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so uh, you were the other one they highly recommended. So uh, I just wanted to um, say welcome to the show. Jamie, I'm glad you're here. Where do you live? Where are you from? I live in Dallas, Texas. Awesome. You, you can't hear the Texas accent going on. <laughs> a little bit. I was going to say somewhere down south. Yes, yes. And how long have you been there? I have been here, well, my whole life. So I grew up in Kaufman, a small town of, you know, 7,000 people. So a country town, rural area. But Dallas was where everything was. I mean, there's, you know, McDonald's and a couple gas stations. And I think there's a Walmart now through about three years ago, but we had to, you know, we had to go to, to Dallas to, to do anything to shop. So Dallas has always been my stomping ground and I've always been around this area. Cool. And how long have you been doing wholesaling? Since February of 2016. So not that long. You know what? Alex just texted me and he said he's available. Nope. He's driving. <laughs> he wants to get on the podcast, but he's driving, and uh, that's not going to work. Okay, so like that's uh, a year and a half. 
Yes, it is. Wow. What were you doing before that? So before that, I was working uh, at my father's company, actually. What, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, always. I've had scratch papers of ideas and, you know, just crazy stuff and uh, grandiose type things is what it was called back then when I was too young to even know what a business was. Uh-huh. I had a golf marketing company at one time. And just trying to be a big player here in the Dallas area was was not going to work. I mean, it, it could have paid my bills, but it wasn't going to get me where I needed to go. And I came to that realization and, you know, my dad needed someone and said, hey, you know, why don't you come work for me for a little bit and then figure it out? Well, I did. And I'm a huge daddy's girl. And I got in there and, and I just I wanted to do everything perfect and and stay, you know, and then after eight years of staying and running the office and the payroll and all the employees and hiring and firing and all that fun stuff, I realized, is this going to be my life? You know, Monday through Friday, nine to five and, you know, payroll doesn't stop. So even I went on a vacation, you know, it was a contracting company that worked for, you know, Time Warner, Charter Communications, installers going out every single day. They have to be paid weekly. They, They have to. So I'd go on vacation and I'd be doing payroll while everybody else is skiing on the mountain or something like that. I thought, man, this is, I don't want to do this forever. And so I, I just decided it was time, you know, and I, I told him about six months before I said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to do something else, but I'll give you three or four months. I'll, I'll train someone to replace me. And, you know, uh, I decided real estate was it, you know, I, I wanted to do real estate. Our very first home when, when we were young, broke and first married, was an old home. It was, you know, not, did not look good by any means. And my husband and I did sweat equity. You know, we, we renovated it ourselves. We, we did everything. And I had so much fun doing that. I, I really enjoyed it. And so without even thinking or questioning or really even looking at anything, I just went to go get my real estate license. So I was doing that at night online and just jumped in and got my real estate license. I, I tend to jump and not uh, really research or learn as much. So there, there's there, there's good and bad to that. But just, just got my real estate license and decided I was going to start flipping houses. So that's kind of how, how that evolved. Nice. And so how long ago was that that you got your license? I got my license about, so it was about eight months before February of 2016. So it was in the middle, almost in the middle of 2015. Okay. And then what happened? So you got your license, you're going to fix and flip as a realtor. Yes, I got my license because I just thought if you need to flip houses, you, you've got to have your license. You know, all the HGTV shows, these, you know, they put the houses for sale with their brokerage or they're an agent. And I thought you had to. I just didn't even research that. Just jumped in. Yeah. So there was actually um, a technician at the company that I worked for and him and his brother had inherited a house from their father. They were three years back taxes. And they said, look, we've we, we, we got to sell it. Would you buy it? So I worked out a deal with them and I flipped my very first house and I made $30,000 on my very first flip. And I thought, oh, I found it. This is it. This is me. (laughs) As I'm never going back, you know, uh, you hear these stories of how they, you know, you lost money on your first deal or I actually did great on my first deal and it was only like a $150,000 house. So there was just a lot of, a lot of good spread there. Yeah, for sure. I just talked to a guy yesterday. He made, his name is Steve and I'll be interviewing him again here soon on the podcast, but he just made a hundred thousand dollars on his first deal. I can't, oh wow! You do, but you're right. You hear all these stories of how your first deal was horrible, and I lost all this money. But there are people like you that actually make money on their first deal. That's awesome. 
Yeah. So I got the fever, of course, you know, I mean, definitely had the fever and I thought, well, okay, I need another house. And then I realized it wasn't that easy to find houses. Um, You know, I I did find some from the larger wholesalers. I didn't know they were wholesalers at the time. I didn't even know that terminology, honestly. But I I did, um, you know, get online and go on some Craigslist ads and realize they were these companies selling these houses and they could give me financing and things like that if I wanted to do it. But there just wasn't a lot of spread there. And since I was so new, I was afraid of getting into something that, you know, the, the spread was was not very large. And if I made a mistake, I, I'm done. So I was searching on Craigslist constantly. I found a house, a woman in Kansas who had a house in McKinney, Texas. Huh. Her house up, um, I believe it was 90000 I called her right then. She said I was the first one to call. And I locked that deal up for 90000 I planned on flipping the house. And I had someone out of the blue. I really don't even know to this day how they found me, but they did. And he called and said, listen, I'm an investor in this area. I'll pay you $40,000 for that house. I'll give you one thirty. So in my mind, that's $40,000 payday. Wow. And what in the heck is this? Like, are you serious? Like, how, how does this even happen? So I started talking to some people and, uh, you know, at these meetings. So I was going to some RIA meetings. Uh, I had started, you know, just a couple weeks before that, going to some RIA meetings like, that's a wholesale deal. I'm like, wholesale deal? What's wholesale deal? So I started going online and researching and filmed podcasts and, of course, you know, all the websites and ran into Tom's podcast mm-hmm. talking about wholesaling. I was like, this guy is awesome. Like, he's just a normal guy that worked hard, found something that's working, and he's killing it. Like, I can do that. I just need to be taught. You know, if you show me how to do something, I can do it, anything. So, I mean... I scheduled the call, the strategy call with Tom, and he got on the phone and, hey, this is Tom. Bam, you're going to be Bam. my next show. You know, like, <laughs> I was so excited. He was so pumped up and his energy level. I just really connected with him. He's such an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started the program and just just started running. You know, I, I don't I don't crawl. I don't walk. And, and I've made a lot of mistakes. I love the progress, not perfection that, that he throws out there because I'm your poster child of progress, not perfection. But I just kept going and going. And, and so now we're, you know, we've got 10 people. We've done uh, a little over 100 houses since I've done it. And Dallas-Fort Worth is not an easy market. I mean, I know everyone feels that way about their market. So I, I, I believe that all the markets are competitive, but it's rough here. It's really rough here. So I feel like if I can make it here, I'm good. Oh, man. All right. So when did you, but a lot of you don't know Tom Kroll. Um, Tom Kroll has been a friend of mine since before he was in real estate. I Because I've, Todd Toback is a guy that helped me get started. I bought his course on lease purchasing way back in 2008, I believe. And I remember talking to Todd as I was working on my job. I had a free coaching call with him when I bought his course. And I I asked him, I said, Todd, I want you to please be completely honest with me. I said, can I really make a full-time income doing real estate deals? And there was a long pause. And he said, yes, you can, Joe. Like It's almost like that's a stupid question. <laughs> but I thought, okay, <laughs> I believe it. Like, okay, I can do it. And so I became friends with Todd, started doing deals, and we started talking and uh, find out that he has a brother named Tom Kroll, brother by his parents got married or remarried or something like that. And uh, I started talking to Tommy a little bit and he was uh, working, I think as a salesman for a landscape company or something. And Todd was also telling me about this. And Todd told me one time, he said, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to help coach my brother. 
Um, and he was asking t- Todd, Todd Toback was asking me for advice. How do you coach a family member? And I said, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could even do that. That would be hard. And he said, well, I'm going to do it. So he did this podcast series called Do or Die on Todd's podcast. And he started interviewing Tom Kroll in this podcast about getting started. So Tom just got fired, I think, from his job a few weeks before Christmas. And he, his wife just had a baby. Yes. And man, he was freaking out. He's like, I don't know what to do. But he's just told Todd, I'm going to do whatever you say to do. And so Todd coached him. And you can listen to the podcast series of this, of this journey. I think there was about six or seven of them. And uh, Tom struggled. I remember talking to Todd during this process. Todd was saying things like, I don't think he's going to make it. You know, he keeps on asking me these questions. He's getting discouraged. And Tom, we used to say things like, yeah, it works for you, but it won't work for me here, right? My market is different. My market, it's harder where I am. I'm in a smaller market. I'm in a more expensive market. I'm in a cheaper market. I'm in a bigger market. Whatever the excuse was, but Tom just rhinoed through those excuses. And before you know it, man, he's just crushing it. And he's wholesaling deals. He's so excited. And uh, so I've watched his journey. And I'm like, oh, it's so awesome to see. And now to see some of his students and some of the people that work with him have that same level of success and some even bigger. Oh, it's just so cool to see. And Jamie, you're one of them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I'm definitely a, a great testimonial for uh, for his course and, and what he teaches. And not long after Cody came on, Cody Hoffine. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just both of them really just put me in the right direction. And I was like, Tom, there was days that, you know, I was kicking and screaming and I don't know if this is going to work and bank accounts getting really low. And there was times I was pounding, you know, my head against my hand. And I, I just don't know. I don't even know if I can last another week. But I rhinoed on, I grit through. And, you know, I, it, the, the way that I am is if I want something, I'm going to get it. And no one's going to stand in my way. And that was the mindset that I had. Like, okay, if Tom can do it, I can do it. Like, totally, I can do it. It's not this guy that, you know, had $10 million in the bank and he's got this huge real estate corporation. He's been doing this for 20 years. No, he was new to the game, just like me. And I thought, I, I can do that. Like, why? So that mindset was huge is the you know, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to make it happen mindset. And I know, Joe, you understand how big mindset is, you know, yeah, with the level yeah. of success that you have had and, and what you do and help your students, it it's huge. You know, you have to believe in it and wake up every morning and know your why and go after that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if you have a screwed up mindset, you can't do it. Now, I understand, like, I like the tactical side of things. I like these systems and the engineering brain inside of me is like, who cares about mindset? You just got to just follow this formula and, and, and follow this mind map or this uh, drawing, you know, and it works if you do it, but you got to have the right mindset to believe that it actually works and the right mindset to like refuse to give up when it gets hard because it's going to get hard, isn't it, Jamie? I mean, it's going to get hard and you're going to want to quit and you're going to think this is a scam. This doesn't work. It doesn't work for me in my market or I'm, there's whatever it is. You can find the excuse and you've got to have the strong mindset to just blast through that. Most definitely. Yes, there, there is hard time. So the business is easy because you have the steps to take. So with, with what you put out and your content and your courses, you, you give them the step, you give them that map, right? But it is, there's going to be days. I mean, it's not all roses and butterflies here. There's going to be days where it's tough and you have to keep pushing through and trust 
that that course, that plan that's been presented to you, that if you follow it, you will succeed. And that's where I think a lot of people stumble up is they're following it, you know, first couple of weeks and something happens. Oh, this is just not going to work. And, and that's where that that's not true. You just have to keep following it. No one, whether it's a professional athlete or, you know, an actor or anyone, a coach, they've always had their downfalls. They've stumbled. So that that's where you have to have that bright mindset as, you know, it's okay. I'll get myself back up, dust off and move forward. Right. You know, one of the great books that I've read recently and, and Tom, again, we keep on talking about Tommy, but was Rhinoceros Success. He told me like two years ago, I have to read that book. And, and I bought it, but never read it. And so I finally just read it about a month ago. That's a fantastic book. It's <laughs> good, right? Yeah. I love that book. If that book doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Yep. So I'd encourage everybody listening to this, go get that book, Rhinoceros Success. It might take you an hour to read it. It's pretty short, but uh, fantastic book. And that's been kind of the driving philosophy for Tom's coaching program and, and for a lot of his most successful students. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Most definitely. It's it's rhino on and push through, always. <laughs> right. So I, I didn't... I didn't intend this to be a pitch for Tom's coaching program, but you know, he's, he's definitely a good coach. You started, I want to get back to ask you some more questions, Jamie. Yeah. You, you started wholesaling about how long ago? So February of 2016 is when I, I started getting, you know, the, the program and learning about wholesaling. So I, I count that as when I started February. And so you've done a hundred deals. Is that what you said since then? Yes. Yes. It's a few over. I think it's like one Oh four or something right now. I was going to count last night and then I thought, no, it's, I know it's over, but not exactly how many that's over. Okay, cool. And what uh, would you say on average, your profit has been on those deals? So I do know on average, we're around 12, five right now. 12,500. 12, Fantastic. And what, you, let's talk about marketing. Okay. Sure. What have you found is working well for you right now? Or how did you find most of those deals? So I started out with postcards, you know, like, like most people. Uh, I did put a few bandit signs out in the very beginning. You know, I, I had a limited budget. But what what I have found that works for me is direct mail. And I like pay-per-click. And so between direct mail and pay-per-click, those are the two hot ways that I market right now. I know others right here next door to me that are doing something totally different. So I feel like being consistent and whichever outlet or channel you choose to market, as long as you stay consistent and track your data, that, that it will work. Data, not drama. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you know, your numbers, you track your numbers, which is super important. Yes. I think that a lot of people don't understand that or why is that so important, Jamie? It's so important because, you know, every business needs to know their numbers. You know, let's if you're a cake shop, you know, how many customers walk in, how many cakes are they buying? How's how much does it cost to buy the cakes? How much is my overhead? Like you need to know those numbers. And I think some people get into to real estate, like with me, I mean, I had a little business background just from, you know, watching my father and me looking at his numbers and things like that. But Numbers are huge because you can track it down to, to the penny. It, it costs me this much money to get this many phone calls. This many phone calls equals this many contracts. And this many contracts equals this amount of money because my contracts average this amount of an assignment fee. So you really can decide to blow up your business one way or the other. If you want to get an extra 
two deals a month, you just go back to your numbers. Okay, I need to spend $4,200 in marketing then if that's what I want to add. So once you've done it a little while, then you know you can just easily look at the numbers and say, okay, here's what I want. I want 15 deals a month. I need to spend this amount of money. And it should happen. If your data is tracked properly and your systems are working well and everyone's being proficient at their position and being managed properly, that's the way that it should go. Cool, cool. Some of those KPIs or key performance indicators you're talking about, your average cost per lead, you track that? I don't track the average cost per lead. Uh, mine, mine's a little more. I know some people do track that, but that's not something that okay. that I track. The things that I track are how many appointments we have for the week. Out of those appointments, how many contracts we get, how much it costs to get those contracts, and I have it broken down between my marketing, like so, my direct mail how much I'm spending there to get a deal, my pay-per-click, how much I'm spending there to get a deal. So I take it you know, to a granular level on that, but I don't do the leads, no. Okay, all right, that's fine. But you're tracking how, many, how much direct mail you need to get a deal, pretty much bottom line, right? Yes. And can you share, like, how much are you spending on average in marketing per deal that you're doing right now? So right now, per deal in marketing, it's about uh, $2,400. Okay, cool. And that totally varies by market? Totally varies by market, yes. (laughs) You may find in Southern California, it's $5,000. In the Midwest, it might be $1,000, $1,500. But you've got to know those numbers. And you also can look at your numbers, right, and see what kind of marketing is working and what kind of marketing isn't working, right? Definitely. Yeah. You, you can see, I mean, if, if one marketing channel, you're spending a couple thousand more per deal, you need to make sure is the return on that couple thousand more. So if I'm spending 2000 more on pay-per-click, am I getting 2000 more on the back end? And then it will level out. But if I'm still getting 12,500 and I'm spending a couple thousand dollars more, then I might as well take that money and put it, allocate it towards the other type of marketing channel. Okay, good. Did you slowly grow into that much marketing or did you like right off the bat just really reinvest as much as money as you could into marketing? Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. I definitely had to slowly grow. I, I did not start with a lot of money by any means. So yes, I had to grow and I invested. I've pretty much put most everything back into the business to keep it growing. I've grown maybe even too fast, uh, to be honest with you. So we've cut back a few things here and there. Instead of organic growth, I was, you know, looking at here's my 10x goal and here's what I need to get there and throwing it all out at once without doing it organically. So I had this vision of where I wanted, how many people I wanted, how many deals a month I wanted. And instead of letting it grow like that organically, I did jump in a little bit too quickly on how fast I wanted to grow it. So I've had to make some changes and adapt along the way. But like I told you, Joe, I I jump in. So that can be not good at times and awesome at other times. But we're, we're correcting some of those things and scaling back on a few things here and there just to make sure we're most efficient where we need to be. But yeah, it was just for organic growth with the marketing. When I had the money, it would go back into marketing. I'd make sure my personal bills were taken care of for the month and gave myself, you know, a salary and the rest of it goes back into the company and the business. That's awesome. That's ready, fire, aim. That's jumping off the building and figuring out how to fly as you fall. <laughs> <I love> yes. <laughs> now, some people, man, they, they look at that and they think, 
that is stupid. Like that is foolish. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but you know, I don't know any successful entrepreneur in any business that doesn't understand the, that and doesn't practice it to a certain extent. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, like, how does your business day-to-day operation work, Jamie? You're doing a lot of marketing, direct mail, PPC. First of all, let me ask you, is there any kind of secret list, some kind of magic pill for your direct mail? Like, or is it just, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that tongue in cheek. Oh, I never know what you're saying. And I used to ask that question when, when I was first getting started and I'd go to these meetups and, yeah. well, what's the best list? What's the, I have found honestly that there isn't a secret, secret list here in my area. Yep. So try them all. And I'm not seeing anyone that just is off the Richter charts of this is the best list ever. I feel like there's, you know, a lot of people that are doing this and, and that's, that doesn't hurt me. It doesn't bother me at all. But I feel like every list is being touched and tapped. So we go into these homes, they've got five or 10 postcards. It doesn't matter what list you're mailing to. They're going to have other postcards sitting there at their kitchen table. So it is what it is. Like, so I just make sure that we're consistent and that we hit as many as we can. And then what's most important is what happens on the back end of it. So or are you answering live? You know, are you going out there as soon as possible? Are you closing uh-huh. it on the phone if they're ready to do it right then? The back end is most important, and and that customer service, that helping. So, you know, a lot of people go into this all about the money, and there's nothing wrong with the money side of it. That's, I mean, I want financial freedom. I want to be retired at forty, have all my rental properties, and relax a little bit. But if you go about it the wrong way, you're never going to reach your full potential. And so what we do is really try to cater to these homeowners and their problem and their situation and do whatever is necessary to make it happen for them. And that's where we try to stand out uh, above the competition. Nice. I was going to ask you about that. You got the direct mail going out. Now, are you under the philosophy that calls need to be answered live? You need to go meet the sellers as quickly as possible, or do you just let them go to voicemail you call them back when you have some time, try to negotiate over the phone. Talk, talk about what you do there. Yeah. So my opinion, I've done it both ways, right? So I'll give you an example. The other day I'm driving home this was a few months ago, I'm driving home and a rock hit my windshield. No big deal. It's happened many times before. There was a little, little crack in it, whatever. I'm driving from my hometown, Kaufman to where I live now. So it's a good almost hour drive. Between this hour drive, I went from having a little pebble mark in my window to at least a two-foot hairline in my windshield. Wow. Never happened to me before. Rocks have hit my windshield many times. I had no idea what was going on. So instead of pulling over and being stranded on the side of the road, my husband was actually out of town at that time. I thought, well, I'm just going to drive home. Like, I don't know what's going on, but it's okay. I was feeling on the back of it. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not coming through. It should be fine. So I drove home and immediately, you know, called glass repair companies because I sure didn't know how to fix it and I knew it needed to be repaired. I called four companies. Out of those four companies, only one person answered my phone call. Who do you think got my business, Joe? Yep. Oh, yeah. Then after that, within 15 minutes, two of the the three that did not answer called me back. They said, oh, no, we, we can be out there now. I'm sure we can beat that price. But at that time, they met my need. The person that answered my phone met my need and I was good. I was relaxed. I, I could breathe. I'm like, okay, I'll be able to drive my car tomorrow. They're coming out this afternoon. All is going to be okay. So I didn't, I didn't care that I was going to 
you know, save a little bit of money, or maybe they could come out 30 minutes sooner. They didn't answer my phone call. So the person that did, they get my business. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I feel so, you know, serious about answering live is just because I know that's what I want. When I'm calling someone and I'm in a need, not that you're calling because you'd like to, you know, order flowers a month away, you know, yes. Okay. I get that. That's not a need right then that minute. But when you have a need that minute and you are motivated, which is what we want, we want the motivated sellers because the other ones are going to waste our time or they, they were bored and thought they'd want to know, you know, how much was my house worth? You get those all the time. So when someone's motivated, I want to be that person to answer the phone Mm -hmm. and they're not going to go look for other people. If we have done a well enough job to make them feel comfortable that we are going to help them solve their problem, whether we are the right fit or not. We can help them find the right fit and alleviate how they're feeling right then. So that's what we try to do. Man, that is so good. I'm telling you. And I harp on that all the time, Jamie, because you know, I get it. People are busy. They have their full-time jobs or whatever. Uh, but if you're going to be spending all that money on marketing and, and you can't answer the phones or you can't get a friend or somebody to answer the phones, you're just almost wasting that money away. It's, I've seen studies like if you don't answer the phone or call the seller back within a minute or two minutes, well, let me say this. When you call them back immediately or answer the phones, you're nine times more likely not to reach them, but you're nine times more likely to actually do a deal with them. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I, I think it's huge. And yeah, when you're spending so much money marketing, yeah, it's important. I mean, it's it's very, very important. And it's, I get it in the very beginning, you know, you you may have a full-time job, funds are limited, so you're going to do the best you can. But eventually I feel that you do want to be answering live. There's, there's so much competition in, in the wholesaling game. Uh, so in order to be able to hang with the competitors in your market, you have to be doing those things. Yep. Every person I've ever met that is successfully doing deals, answer their phones or they have somebody that answers the phones. Whether it's for buyers or sellers, I just see it over and over and over again. All right, so what do you do when they call? And if it's there's some motivation or there's some equity, what do you do then? So as soon as they call, you know, we, we answer live. And then if there's motivation, if they're very, very motivated that, you know, listen, I, I, want, I want an offer today. I want to make this happen today. We'll immediately let our, our acquisitions know if they're on an appointment right then, we, you know, text them, call stat. This is really, really important. So we'll tell them, listen, we're going to do our best to get out there today, depending on our schedule that day. We may be completely booked and there's no way we can do it. Then we're going to call them over the phone and try to close that deal over the phone or maybe move someone that we feel is a little less motivated that's willing to maybe move up a couple hours or move to the next day that didn't take off work that day, you know, to try to make that happen. So if they're very, very motivated, we will then, in turn, get our acquisitions on it immediately. Okay. Now, when you were starting, did you do the acquisitions yourself? I did every single part of this business myself, and that's why I know what it takes, how to do it, how long it takes. I feel that doing every part of the business yourself, even if it's not for a long time, is good because it's hard to manage someone when you've not been in their shoes and you don't understand what it entails, especially going to these homeowners' houses and sitting with them and listening to their problems. And, and, you know, there's so much involved with that process, you know, getting the paperwork, making sure you get good photos. So there's a lot. And I want to make sure that I've walked through the steps that they're about to walk through 
So if I need to grab them by the horns real quick and tell them how I feel about something, I've been there and done that. And, and I know that what I'm telling them is, is what they need to hear. Right. Can I ask you a question about being a woman in this business? I can imagine that it presents some challenges that a lot of guys just don't face themselves, right? So is it okay to ask you questions about that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Most okay. definitely. That does not bother me at all. <laughs> I don't know. How, I sometimes get I nervous. I know you guys have to be real careful because there's some really tricky uh, females in our world, but I am definitely not that. I, I was the one that hung out with the dudes and, and all of that. So, no, that doesn't bother me one bit. <laughs> okay, so you – was it challenging? What, what were some of the challenges you faced being a woman, uh, talking to sellers and going to their house, negotiating these deals? You know, honestly, it wasn't challenging for me because I never had that in my mind that it would be challenging. Mm, the only time I can say that it was challenging would be when you're going in a home and there's three or four males and it's just you and they're big guys and but, you know, I never I never looked at it that way. There was only one home and it was in a really bad area. When I tell you bad area, like two months before, there was like four bodies with chalk marks across the street. That's how bad it was. That was the only one that I probably should have used a little more common sense on. But again, I went in there and I'm like, I'm good. Like, you know, I'd be nice to them and everything will work out fine. So sometimes I have to check myself and be like, OK, listen, you're. 115 pound female, like you, you have to know your limits, you know, but I'm one of those that I just, I don't know my limits. Like if somebody else can do it, I can do it. So it never ever was a problem for me. It just really, it really wasn't nice, <laughs> I never nice. let it be a problem. And I never got that mindset of it. And, and I've had those questions asked by other business owners that actually have women who are acquisitions and do you know, do, how do you feel about it? Or, you know, should I worry about, it? I said, no, you shouldn't like not, no, you need to get the right person that's not worried about it. I mean, I can do anything just as well as anybody else. So it, it never has bothered me, honestly, Joe, never, not once. That's awesome. Very good. What advice would you give to women who are listening to this? Because if you were to look at the numbers, I'm sure it's a very small percentage of women that actually are wholesalers that do this. But there's a lot of women listening to this podcast. What would you say to them? What kind of advice would you give to them about getting started into this, Jamie? Yeah, I just say, I mean, if this is what you want to do, go out and do it. There's there's nothing stopping you. Actually, being a woman, I mean, if you want to be real honest here, Joe, has got me in the door to a lot of places that a guy probably couldn't have gotten to. So, I mean, I'll, since, since we're talking honestly here, use it to your advantage. And I don't mean in the wrong way. So let's be very clear. But I'm just saying if, if you know, if you're going to a, a real estate meeting and there's, you know, 40 guys there and you know, they're all wanting to take each other to lunch and do that. I have had doors open for me because the respect of, wow, she's a woman and she's really trying to get in here and do this. Like I'm going to give her an hour of my time to where Joe, you may not have been able to walk up to him. Well, you being Joe, yes, you could, but let's just say <laughs> back before you were Joe McCall <laughs> that, you know, that they, they may not have had time for you, you know? Okay. So this is just another guy. I've had 10 of these people come up to me in the past week so I feel like people were more apt to lend a helping hand because I was a female at times. I think it opens up doors. So use that to your advantage and, and don't, don't let that stray you. You know, a lot of women are not the, the income earners in their family. So I don't want to say that in the wrong way. I just know all the women I know, all the friends I know, the husband is the, the, the breadwinner, you know, he makes more money and that's not the case in all ways, but 
that was the case in my household. You know, my husband was the breadwinner. He has his own business. He does so well for himself. I respect him so much. He's awesome. But I wanted those same things. And I kind of grew up in the, you know, mentality of, you know, you stay married forever and the the man takes care of everything. And my mom was very strong. She, you know, had two master's degrees. But, you know, in the end, I looked at it and I'm like, wow, you know, my husband does great for himself. But am I relying my retirement and any vacation I want to take and any shopping that I want to do and the college my daughter goes to on his work ethic and how well he does in his business. And I just couldn't, I couldn't stomach that. I did not want to rely on how well he does for how well our future is going to be. And so the women out there, I've, this resonates with so many women because I've talked to them about it is they feel the same way that I felt. And I just, I wanted more and yes, to contribute to the family, but I think that was huge. And, and that was a huge driving factor for me. And it is for so many women that I've met in this business or being successful entrepreneurs, period, is they want to contribute in a massive way. And this is a way to do it. Wholesaling is such a way to contribute in a massive way. Like my husband is shocked about what we're doing and the rental house we're going to buy that's going to take care of my daughter's college no matter where she wants to go and because we got it at such a great discounted price and it's yeah. such a nice area that 10 years from now when it's time for her to go to school, she said. So just things like that that I've been able to contribute and and women want that. They want to be, you know, they want to contribute and they want to they want to be rock stars too. So that, that's what I'd say, like use it to your advantage and then if there's a time where you feel it's not to your advantage, just be smart about it. Good for you. Good for you. Now, I was looking online. I've interviewed some of my best podcasts have been with women. And those of you listening to this, if you want to listen to some really good interviews with other women for the Real Estate Investing Mastery, I'm going to give you a few of them real quick here, guys, that you need to listen to. Especially this first one, Jamie, I'd recommend. Her name is Brittany Turner. And I interviewed her about two or three years ago. She's from Nashville. She's got like, I don't know, over millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in assets, and she's crushing it. When I interviewed her, she was 27 years old. She's probably in her late 20s, early 30s now. She, Her business, at the time I interviewed her, had $50 million a year in revenue. She was in her late 20s, right? So her name is Brittany. If you guys want this podcast, I don't have a number, episode number, but if you look up Brittany, B-R-I-T-N-I-E, check that out. I interviewed a lady named Gina Horatis. Hurry, I... I'm sorry, I butchered her last name, but Gina, episode 91, she says here how you can definitely start an REI business and find loads of success in virtual deals. So check out episode 91. Check out the interview I did with Tracy Kaywood. This is really good. Episode 96, why virtual assistance, marketing, and automation are king or queen. I should have called that queen. That was <laughs> stu- <laughs> I just I just now noticed that. I hope she wasn't offended by that. That's what I was going to say, Joe. You'll find out that the women that are entrepreneurs and that are doing these things, they don't get offended by those things. Okay. They just don't. It's not, they really don't. I mean, how, how are you going to, no, they don't, I promise you, she wasn't offended by it. All right, good. Uh, this is an interview I did in episode 31 with Kathy Kennebrook. She's a, a wholesaling uh, and, and a coach. Episode 31, we talked about direct mail. This was a podcast I had tons and tons of people respond on. Episode 31, and then finally, Wendy Patton, uh, we did an episode 28. She has uh, been in the business a long time, since I think the late 80s. She's amazing. She owns a couple Keller Williams franchises and one or two title companies up in the northern Detroit area. 
in the suburbs. So check those out if you want to um, listen to some really good podcasts. All right, Jamie, oh, I, had, I had a few other questions for you, Jamie. You mentioned staff a couple times. What kind of people do you have now working for you, running your business? So with each position, like a little more, expand a little more what, what you're asking. I'm sorry. So do you have, how many acquisitions managers or acquisition teams do you have? Okay, got it. So two, one is a male, one is a female, and then I've got uh, lead intake. I've got what I call office manager transaction coordinator. So she keeps up with all of my payroll, uh, just the back end type of, you know, the business stuff, as well as all the transactions that we're doing, which, you know, that's, that's a full-time job in itself. Uh, and then I have someone that does dispositions for me. So that sells all of our properties. And then I have a project manager who manages my projects. So I still flip, I flip three to four houses at a time. Uh, I don't think I'll ever give that up. I, I love it. I love flipping. Um, I love flipping just as much as I do wholesaling. So right now, the way that I'm doing it, my business model, it works. And then I have uh, five contractors that work for me full time only. Nice. That's a pretty big team. It is. I'm having to read some management things because yeah. <laughs> I thought I was okay at managing and then, you know, things happen. And so right now I'm really liking traction for that. So, uh, yeah, definitely trying to brush up on my management skills because, you know, things things go so well, you're doing good and you feel like I've never been one to try to micromanage. Um, and that's definitely something that I, I felt uh, I, I needed to change. I am working on changing. It's to me, if someone gives me a task and tells me to do it, I'm, I'm getting it done and I'm going to do it the right way every single time. But that's the way that I am. Hence, probably why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And other people, they may do it great for one or two weeks and you, you let them go on their own little road and you're not micromanaging and then things fall out before you even realize it. So I'm working on trying to not micromanage, but be right in that middle ground. So it's, it's a, it's a hard area that I, I'm still definitely learning every single day. I feel like if I was to say that one thing I needed to work on, it's, it's just managing at the best level that I can, um, that meets my personality because I'm really, I'm a really nice person. Like I don't want to, you know, I've, I've known other people in business and they're very sharp and hard and, and they do really well, you know, by doing it that way. But I've just never been that way. And I feel like, well, I'm so nice. And I've told them everything they need to do. Why aren't they doing it? So I'm having to uh, bring my backbone uh, up a little bit right now. <laughs> oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So could you give us a range? You don't have to give us specific numbers, but like your acquisition people, what about what percentages are you paying them for deals? Yeah, no, I don't mind telling you. So I pay them 10%. Is that a, is that a scale that goes up and down depending on how many deals they do? No, it's not. It's 10% of the wholesale or the profit of the flip. So with that flip, it really bumps it up quite a bit. Okay, nice. So our flips average about 35. So, right. I mean, you know, if, if they, if I'm, if I'm doing, you know, let's say, seven, 10 of, of their properties a year. I mean, that, you know, that, that works out pretty well for them. So I've not had any complaints thus far and, and I'm giving them all their leads. They're not really having to do any lead gen on their own. Yeah. So it really is pretty much handed over. Here's the leads. Here's what you need to do. And, you know, for me, I think it's, they, they've got it as good as it gets in this industry. Cool. Very nice. Can I ask you questions about your CRM and your follow-up? Like, First of all, what uh, what are you using to manage all your leads that are coming in? 
So I'm using Investor Fuse, which is powered by Podio. Cool. Yeah. And when I first got in, I was using just basic systems the way that, you know, wholesaling ink, the way that Tom taught me, here's what I want you to use. And it's great for, you know, when you're first getting started. But once you start getting 100, 200, 300 leads, it's like, whoa, okay, how do I keep track of all this? And so, you know, I heard from lots of old time investors at Podio, Podio. And I started looking at Podio and I am not tech savvy at all by any means. And I talked to some people that literally said they spent a year building out their Podio. And I'm like, eight hours a day a year? Or like, I don't know, but in the evenings, two or three hours an evening. Oh, like, wow. that's nuts. Like, who want? You have got much, you can do so many more high level things with those few hours. I'm not doing it. And since I don't know enough about it, I couldn't just pay somebody random and say, here's what I want. Cause I didn't know anything about it. Right. So I found investor fuse and it was perfect for me because it's simple. It had everything I needed and it was built just for the business that I'm doing. And I absolutely love it. Every month they're changing things and making it better. And they always want our feedback. I mean, it, it, it's an amazing CRM. So I love investor fuse and it does everything that we need. It has your you know, it has your follow-ups and your notifications and things like that that are also scheduled. So it's actually working in the background even when you're not. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think is really cool about about that. Cool. So you're using the features, the follow-up features that it has, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. We do the slide broadcast. I use all the follow-up features. I, I use it to, to the nth degree. So you've got your campaigns on there. You've got, you know, how many, how many leads on this campaign it took to get it. I mean, it, you can track, if you know how to use it, you can track it, anything in your business there pretty much. Would you say the key to your success with that, InvestorFuse, has been you didn't try to make InvestorFuse fit into your model. You've got to, you, you fit into InvestorFuse's model. Does that make sense? A hundred percent I fit into their model, yes. It's like, here's what they're offering me. Here's, I'm going to use this the best that I can and definitely just fit into their model. And that, that's the same thing with anything, though. You know, I mean, with, with the coaching that I got, you know, with, uh, you know, with wholesaling, I, I could have looked at a hundred different things and tried to put some of my stuff in and do this. And, but I'm all about just give me the ABC. So give me the CRM model, give me the course, give me whatever. I'm going to follow it to a T then later down the road. If I know enough to know enough, then I can change something. But if not, I'm not reinventing any wheel. This wheel has worked. Investor Fuse has worked. Why yeah. reinvent that? Use it. That's good. And those of you um, don't know Dan Schwartz, cool guy. I'm going to actually see him in a couple of days, I think. I'm going to go into San Diego to do a workshop there. And he's in San Diego now. But his website, guys, if you're interested, is InvestorFuse.com. Or just Google it. The uh, He just created this little thing where you can voice the address of a property like if you on your app if you open up their uh, iphone or android app you can message or just speak the address of a property if you're driving for dollars or you see a vacant house or whatever you can speak the address into the app and it will send you a text message just to verify is this the right property and if you click yes it will go ahead and send a postcard with a picture of with a picture of the house i don't remember Maybe not, but it'll send a, it'll pull up the that property and then it'll pull up the owner's address on record and send that seller a postcard and put him into a follow up sequence campaign just from speaking the uh, the address. It's really really cool. It's slick. All right, so but yeah, I recommend Investor Fuse. I recommend Podio. 
there's other tools out there, but you got to use something. And I like Tom's philosophy on it as well. When you're just getting started, uh, keep it super simple. Step away from the computer. Don't spend hours and hours in there trying to uh, manipulate it and trying to make it work for you. Just just focus on your revenue generating activities, which is talking to sellers, answering the phones, making offers. J- Jamie, another question related to that before I forget. What do you do with your not motivated seller leads? The leads that come in, they're not that motivated, not interested in selling right now. What do you do with those? So we will put them on the follow-up drip campaign on uh, Investor Fuse with Podio. And so that's sending out the emails, the text messages, things like that. And then my acquisitions, I let them gauge, okay? So if they went to the house and this person, you know, they're really not motivated, they were just curious or they were just wondering how much we could give them cash for their house and they can't find any motivation once they've really dug deep, I let them decide, okay, let's follow up with them in a month or let's follow up them with two months. So I've really taught them kind of how I want them to gauge that and then just put it in, in their court. So this is your money that you're going to leave on the table if you're not following up in a timely manner. You know, if the person basically kicked you out of the house, then yeah, you may want to wait, you know, a couple months to follow up. But we're all, the money is in the follow-up, Joe. I mean, yeah. you, you know this, like the money is in the follow-up. So I allow them to task themselves on when they're going to follow up. But then also within our follow-up campaign, they're constantly going to be touched. Excellent. Now, do you give any other kind of offer besides cash or are all the offers you give strictly cash? So all the offers we give right now are cash. I get shiny object syndrome really, really quick. And so I was so focused on building the business to the level that it is now. I didn't want to learn any of the other options. And now I'm at a place where I can learn the other options. And I really want to learn the other options, definitely, because I know there's a lot of other things we can put in the mix and bring to the table. I just, it was literally a year and a half of just grinding and barely even, you know, being able to breathe during that time. So now I'm exploring the other ways that we can help these homeowners and make a win for everyone. But no, I've, I've been very basic. I'm, I'm that kiss, keep it simple, stupid Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And also with my acquisitions, you know, I didn't want to overload them with here's how you run numbers and here's repair costs and hey, you can do the lease option or you can do something. You know, there's just so much that I wanted to keep it very simple in the beginning until I knew everyone was working, the systems were working, and now we're all at a place where, okay, we can, let's throw this in the mix. So, yes, I am actually at that point and and really excited to learn and to start bringing those options to the table as well. You know, I interviewed a guy, Mitch Stevens, a few months ago, and he's a guy who does a ton of owner financing right there in Texas. I think he's maybe in Dallas. I'm not sure. Uh, lease options, as you already know, don't work that great in Texas. You can do them. Definitely right. can do them. They typically work best. You can't stay in the middle, but you can you know, wholesale them and assign them. And they typically work best with the nicer, higher-end homes, median price and above. But I'd encourage everybody listening to this, if you're interested in learning more about that, check out the podcast I did with Mitch Stevens about owner financing. It was really good. But anyway, good. I, you know, I can't agree with you more, Jamie. That was probably the biggest key to your success so far has been that laser focus. And if you would have thrown in other kinds of offers or how to calculate lease options or seller financing offers or subject tos, that would have been way too much. You did not. Somebody starting out in this business doesn't, they don't need to worry about all that yet. 
Right. Yeah, I definitely couldn't. I mean, honestly, my, my brain has a, a capacity that's pretty small. So let's let's be very honest and clear here, Joe. I have never school was never my thing. I don't retain information well. So I can read a book, you know, something history, science, and the next week totally forget what I just read because it didn't interest me. And so I've read more books in the past year and a half than I've read in my life times 10. <laughs> so now that I found something that interests me, I retain it. I remember it. I love it. It, it It's amazing. So, but, but it still is, that, uh, there's that small capacity there. So I do, I try to just stay focused, laser focused and be the best that I can at that. And then once I feel that I have that tackled, now I can open up some other doors. But yeah, I do feel that that's helped me with being successful because real estate, there is so many ways to make money in real estate. There's not just one. There is a lot of different ways to make money in, in the real estate world. And I think that, you know, not one really outweighs the other, but if you are focused on 10, you're never going to be amazing at all 10. So I've, I've hit my focus on this one area. And then of course the flipping too. So those are kind of my two focused areas that I feel I've gotten really good at systematized. Well, I'm always tweaking. You always have to be tweaking your business and making it better. But now I can open up some of those other things. And yeah, I, I can't wait to listen to that, that podcast for sure. That, that sounds great because I, I sell to quite a few people who own our finance. So I know it's a very lucrative and, and good deal here in our area for sure. Very cool. Jamie, you've been really gracious with your time answering all my questions. I so appreciate it. Yes. How can people reach you and get a hold of you? If they wanted to. So you can go on Facebook. I am uh, Jamie Burleson, B-U-R-L-E-S-O-N, Wooly, W-O-O-L-E-Y. Uh, you can email me at jamie at wholesalingchick.com. And those are probably the two best ways to, to get in touch with me is to, you can message me on Facebook. And if you do send me a friend request, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm almost maxed out. And so... Yeah. You know, go ahead and private message me. Let me know, you know, I'm in the real estate world. I'd like to follow you, see what you're doing. So I not, don't want to not friend you, but I just, I have so many people that I have to be kind of specific. I only want people on my page that are positive and doing something good with their life and, and can bring value all the way around. So very good. Cool. Jamie, do you do, do you do any coaching now? Do you ever help other investors get started? Yes, yes, definitely. So I just started, uh, I've teamed up with Tom Kroll, Cody Hoffine, and Brett Daniels on cool. Wholesaling cool. Inc. I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm, I'm new at this. I'm trying here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you want to go to wholesalinginc.com, you can scroll down and, and you'll see me. And I'd love to talk to anybody. You can book a strategy call with me and see if, if I can be a good fit to help, help coach you. I've been there not knowing anything about it and, and 100 plus deals later in a year and a half. So I'd love to help anybody do this and, uh, you know, men, women, whatever, but I, I do have a huge heart for women because I want to see women be successful in, in this industry. And I think so many think that they can't because it was once male dominated and still statistically it is, but we, we are great at this business. Uh -huh. And so I, I just really want to want to help people. So yeah, definitely. Uh, you can go to wholesaling Inc, scroll down, find my picture and read my story and click and get a strategy call for sure. Excellent. Nice. And I, guys, you heard Jamie. She's having tremendous success. I've heard from other people that know her that she's doing really, really well. This has been a great podcast. I was a little nervous because I didn't talk to you at all before. I didn't know anything <laughs> about you. <laughs> but I just trusted uh, Tommy and, um, uh, was it, is it Brent? 
Brett. Yes, Brent. Well, there. Well, Tom, 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 and Darren, and then Darren. Brent and I are now coaching along with them. So Brent's the TTP cold calling, and I'm kind of the systems and uh, systems and flipping side of it. Yes, awesome. Oh man, so I'm proud to recommend Wholesaling Inc. and what Tom's doing. It's such a great organization. Tons of students having success, like Jamie, and uh, that's great. So Jamie, stick around a little bit. I'm going to hang up here close the podcast but guys guys if you like this podcast please leave a review go to itunes leave a review at real estate investing mastery and appreciate it uh, if you want the show notes if you want to hear a replay of this if you want to get more information about jamie go to real estate investing mastery.com check out the show notes and we'll hook you up there all right thank you jamie so before you get off i just want to tell you thank you so much for having me like i really appreciate it and i think very highly about you. I've known about you pretty much since I started real estate. So thank you so much for taking the time to have me on today as well. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thank you, Jamie. All right, guys. Take care. See you all later. Bye-bye.